You've oft heard it said that your reputation is what people think you are, but truly, integrity is what God knows you to be. We've been looking for eight Sundays at the idea of developing an unblemished integrity and holding on to that, understanding the importance of that. Your reputation may be marred by evil people. There are always naysayers that in order to have themselves look tall, they have to cut other people down. That's, that's part of life. But what God knows you to be is important, and it's very important, and that's why we need to respect and honor what He believes of us, and we need to work to see to it that our integrity stands and shines strong. Truth is something that our culture has forgotten about. Seven years ago, roughly, I told you from this pulpit that I had gotten rid of cable television. I don't have it in my house, don't want it. In fact, I don't have any television screen connected to anything there anymore. I haven't missed it. I got tired of struggling with whether or not something was true. I became frustrated with the opinions and the ideas and the ideals that were being advanced by evil people who look nice and dress well and seem to speak rather effectively, but at the core they were rotten. They were manipulative and they were evil. And I think that we've discovered in the last year to year and a half that anything that you hear through any cable source, doubt it severely and never trust it. Never put yourself up as the arbiter of truth. Remember, you're fallen also. We're all redeemed by the blood of Christ, and only through Him can we really find out what truth is and hold on to it. Truth is sometimes hard to handle. I've heard about a, a wealthy older gentleman who married a, a lovely young woman, and, and he began to have doubts about things. He wondered, you know, did she really m marry me because she cared, or did she marry for money? And so he asked her one day, he looked at her and says, tell me the truth. If I lost all my money, would you still love me? She looked him right in the eye and she said, oh, don't be silly, dear. You know I'd love you and miss you so very much. Sometimes the truth hurts, but the truth will always set you free. It will not lead you astray. It may hurt a little bit, but it will lead you toward healing. Scripture tells us that we are to wear the whole armor of God, and we forget many times because we have selective pieces that we would rather wear. But it says to put on the whole armor of God, and we're going to, over the next few weeks, think about that. You know, we, we spoke for four weeks about the idea of who our enemy is. We talked about the world, the flesh, the devil, and the ultimate en enemy, death. And all of those are defeated by walking with Christ and trusting Him. Jesus, in His death, burial, and resurrection, freed us from the fear of death and the grave. But let's understand this morning about the first part of that armor that we put on, and that is simply the belt of truth. Truth is something that seems to be gone in our society. And when someone says, I'm telling you the truth, and they're speaking 
through television don't believe a word of it. Understand that truth is something that, that untrue, dishonest people can handle very skillfully to mold and to model what they want to be the truth. God is still in control. He's still in power. Some years ago, I told some church members here as they were frustrated about uh, our change of power in America over the years, and I reminded them that God only brings a leader to a country for one of two reasons. It's always this way. When a country is righteous and follows him, or when he sees the country has the potential to make those decisions, he will send a righteous leader. But as he always would do with the nation of Israel, whether it was together or divided, when they were wicked, when they drifted from him, he sent a ruler as a punishment for, him, for them until they would repent. And God works that way with us. So we don't need to think that somehow God is going to see us as good when we're really bad and send us somebody to bless us. The problem is not in Washington, it's in the pews. It's the heart of people that name the name of Christ. That's who he's focused upon. Remember that. It's not about every person in the world. It's not about every person in America. It's about those who name the name of Jesus that are called Christian. That's who he's looking at because he understands and knows that the world is heading in one direction, towards destruction. Ultimately, if you live your life out and if you do good things and great things and if you uh, love everybody but you never accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you're going to die and go to hell. I always explain to people when they feel that that's a very harsh and hard thing, I remind them, I grew up playing baseball. And I don't care how good you look in your uniform. I don't care how well you swing the bat and how far back you put the ball. If you're running the bases and you miss first base, you're out. Period. And first base for humanity is developing a relationship with your Creator and your Savior. And if you fail to do that, nothing else matters. You're out. And it's so important for us to be prepared. You can sit in church every time the doors are open. You can even be the one that opens the doors. And it's meaningless if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I remind you that he even said during his earthly ministry that many will say to him in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things for you? And his response is, is literally heart-wrenching. He says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Check your credentials. Make sure that you know him and that he knows you. Now, the belt of truth being put on is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. It is clear we are to put on full armor. But this piece of armor matters. Because if we don't have truth, we're helpless and hopeless. If we put on the armor of God and we're not truly representing Him in honesty and truth, the world will see Jesus and God as a sham. The Word of God is very clear about that. We're, we're to put on this armor. We will examine each piece, but I want to think about truth this, this morning because truth is so important. In this current crisis of culture we're in, this, this war of cultures, we're experiencing what's called the cancel culture. Anything that offends them, they get rid of. 
They ignore. They don't hear from. They block you and they, and they stay away from you if you don't fit their scenario. Have you noticed in the world that we live in today that anybody that gets offended by whatever is said is subject to a very scathing retribution and anger from the powers that be? And there's only one individual that you're allowed to speak ill of and mistreat, and that's a Christian. The Christian in the church is, is now fair game. They, they want to attack us. And, and you know what? We've been here before. This isn't the church's first rodeo. In fact, the church was built in such animosity and hatred. We began under the Roman Empire. We were ridiculed and criticized. In 74 A.D., the attempt was made to wipe out Christianity. And I thought it was just so funny because uh, you, you have there what was called the diaspora, the scattering of everybody in Jerusalem. You know what they really did? They, they, they committed the most remarkable salesmanship of Christianity by pushing all the Christians out. Christianity have stayed in the Middle East. It would have never grown beyond that. Because of that, the gospel was spread and propagated. And that's still what we're about. We are not new and improved. We're doing the same thing we've always done, and it's perfect. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We're making disciples. Wherever we go, we do that. But we live in a world that's broken like the first church was in, the first century church, and we know that. And our words of truth matter to this world. In this current crisis of culture, it's sad to see where we are. Political correctness has run amok. We can't say anything for fear of being ridiculed. But I want to tell you something. If you speak the truth in love, God will honor you, He will bless you, and He'll bless the words that you use. In the midst of this dark world, your Christianity shines more brightly than ever before. And that is very, very important. Now, what is truth? The problem we have today is the same as 2,000 years ago. If you remember, the question was asked of Jesus by Pontius Pilate, what is truth? He was not ridiculing. He was not criticizing. He asked a serious question. Because in that world, it was hard to discern what truth really was. Black and white had been smudged together to make a dull gray. Truth didn't stand out clearly, and lies didn't stand out clearly. They were pushed together, sort of like today. People have a hard time today understanding what truth really is. And Pilate could come back and ask that question again. Because we have gotten into a situation where we've forgotten that speaking truth matters. It matters for what we represent, and it matters for the person that's listening. I love my physician. The good doctor. I'm not just saying that because he's in this room. But I'm glad that he's a doctor that doesn't try to placate me and make me feel good and say all the nice things. He tells me the truth. You want a doctor like that. You want to know that if you find a problem, they'll identify it and then show you how to, to, to eliminate it and how to get back to full health. That's the same thing we're to do with those round about us that are seeking and searching and hurting, and dying. I can identify with Pontius Pilate. 
The evidence is clear, but the world demands a false verdict. Pilate asked that question because truly it was difficult to find truth then. And you know what's amazing? He looked at Jesus and he said, I find no guilt in him. None whatsoever. So he exonerated Jesus, but then he turned him over to those who hate him. If the world ever begins to hate you publicly in a very bombastic, bold way, you're in trouble. We've seen that in our world recently with a number of people who attracted the ire and the bitterness of the mass media. They're unforgiving. You can't make a mistake with them. You've got to be perfect. Yet their standard is so flawed. My dad used to, every day after dinner, we'd eat dinner at, at 5.30, and we had to be through by 6 o'clock, or at least three minutes till 6, because we had to, I dare say this around young people, we had to warm up the set. Y'all remember that? Turned it on, let it warm up. And we always watch uh, Huntley and Brinkley. Uh, we had three choices, like most of you. And at 6 o'clock, we'd watch the news, about maybe 10 minutes, and then we'd turn it off, and that was the only thing we watched. My mother said that, that nothing that came on before 6 o'clock was worth watching, and that was her reflection on soap operas. She didn't like them. She said, you know, she said, soap operas go on forever because they don't have Jesus to fix their problems. I think she was right. The reality is that, that truth is not going to come through your television set or your radio or through the internet. It's not going to do that. You know, we're enslaved to several things if we're not careful, if we don't handle truth correctly. We're enslaved to what the world calls truth. And too many people are bound by the lies of the world and their own lies and their own deception that comes in from the wicked one, the devil, will bind it up, wrap you up, and make you a wonderful package that is hopeless. Jesus said in John 8, 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. When he was speaking of truth, he was speaking of himself. The gospel is what sets us free, and we can never let go of it if we, we want to be successful in this life. When you put on the whole armor of God, you never put your armor on unless you're preparing for battle. And that's why we need every day to do that. There's something about putting on truth that changes who you are. Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, stand firm. You know what it doesn't say here? It doesn't say, take your sword and, and take out uh, all your weapons and start fighting. It never says that. It says to stand because Jesus will fight your fight. The Holy Spirit of God will go before you and defend you and protect you. I always remember the picture of Moses standing there before the children of Israel. And they doubted from the very beginning when they left Egypt. They didn't see a miracle over and over again with the, the miracles of the plagues of Egypt. 
They didn't comprehend that each plague of, of the ten plagues, each one attacked from the minor gods in Egypt all the way to the major god, which was the Pharaoh and his bloodline in the killing of the firstborn. God effectively took away the pantheon of the Egyptian gods in one fell swoop in ten situations. And yet they didn't understand that. They didn't see God giving them food miraculously every day. They didn't see that as God's hand. They allowed things to make them comfortable. And when they had to travel through the Red Sea on dry land, they were fearful of that. And Moses stood up and he raised his hands to show them that God was there. You may be Moses one day to somebody that doesn't see the hand of God, but your life indicates that He's there. And always make sure you speak to them in truth because you are the image of Christ. You make the difference for what is done here in Selma, Alabama. Selma is no darker than any other city. We have the same sin that every other city has. We've got to understand even though some cities are painted beautiful and they're advertised about and their chamber of commerce makes them look like heaven, the reality is every city is broken and it's hurting. Selma, in many ways, is better off than other cities because we have here a remarkable ability to communicate with people because we're a smaller community. And I've been amazed at the people. In the last two places I want to go when I'm in a hurry, Walmart and Winn-Dixie because that's what I call the social hour. And many times going through, especially in Walmart on a weekend, half the people that speak to me aren't even church members here at First Baptist. They're from different cultures and backgrounds, rich and poor. They're people that I've encountered in my 11 years here and I've built friendships with. And I enjoy the fact that they come up and, and they're encouraging. I enjoy the fact that, that they fellowship. I love to hug necks. I don't care what they say about the coronavirus. If I have to give up fellowship, I'll just give up. But we need that. It's a part of who and what we are. And the truth of the gospel matters because you represent Christ in all that you do. There's a word that's used here that is so powerful. Paul uses it quite often. It's the word therefore, T-H-E-R-E-F-O-R-E. -E -E. It's an old English word, but it's a very good word. Paul is making a conclusion here based on what has already been said. All those things are put together, and he says, therefore. And then you prepare to put on the armor of God, and you begin with truth. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Always remember that. Don't ever make a person the object of, of your frustration and anger. It's not an individual that's doing that. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We like to make it that way sometimes because it's easier to get mad at and frustrated with a person. And many people do that because they're looking for somewhere to point their anger and their frustration and their bitterness and their animus. That's not your battleground. It's not with people. Is much greater than that. The evil one wants to create that image that, that somehow if you eliminate a person that you solve your problem. But reality tells me that many times the person is probably your mission field. 
that you're to reach toward, that you're to evangelize, and that you're to encourage and strengthen. And in doing such a thing as making them the enemy, what you're doing is you're destroying the possibility of Christ working through you in the life of that person. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. What a great statement. It begins with the truth of God. This is what God has revealed about himself to you, his truth. Truth is powerful. It's life-changing. In Romans 1, 18 through 20, it says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. You see, there's something healing about truth. Truth exposes the dishonesty and the sin. It's a bright and shining light that, that cleanses and purifies. God has called us to be that way. It goes on here in this passage to say this, because that which is known of God is evident within them, for God hath enabled or shown it unto them. For the, since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature, have been clearly seen. When people tell me something like, well, I just don't see God looking around the world anywhere. I just can't see any evidence that, that God is there. I always ask them the same question. I, I mean, I grew up seeing a television program. Remember Get Smart? Now, Maxwell Smart was not the smartest person you've ever met. In fact, he was very entertaining. But there were two organizations that were working against each other, and Maxwell Smart worked for control. And the enemy was, do you remember? Chaos. Look in the world and see if you see order and control in the world. Or do you see chaos? All you have to do is walk through a stand of pines and you see order. When you see a nest of birds and you see their hatchlings coming forth, they look just like their mama. When you go out and you look through a pasture and you see cattle and you see a couple of generations there, they're all the same. God has created this world in such an order, and it seems like Satan is trying to tear that order up. He hates it. The first thing that he hates is the family. He's been attacking the family for thousands of years. If he can destroy the family unit, he's destroyed the principal building block of society under God. They've also confused Gender. Please remember this. Gender is, is whether you're male or female. Sex is something else. People always use the wrong words for that. I saw a bumper sticker the other day. It said, God created two genders. Mankind created the others. God makes you who you are. Don't ever deny that. Don't accept anyone that says, I don't like what God made me to be. God created us in His image to have choices. That's how we're like Him, because God chooses. He changes things. He decided to make whales different than dolphins. Why did He make mammals for some and, and other fish aren't? Why are there... 
warm-blooded and cold-blooded creatures? Why? Because God chose to do that. But now Satan is trying to disturb all that, and he's trying to recreate what we are. We're created in God's image, meaning we can have choices. And the world says, oh, you don't choose to be that way. You were born that way. No. There's something, and and when I was 26 years old, I had the privilege of standing in an auditorium at Georgia Tech and meeting one of the greatest men in science ever, B.F. Skinner. B.F. Skinner, if if you've gone through high school, you studied it. If you go to college, you especially will read about B.F. Skinner. And B.F. Skinner is, is primarily responsible for our ideas of conditioning and behavior. And one of the things he said very plainly is this. Don't ever believe that a behavior is locked into a person. You can choose to change your behavior. And that is so true. God made us that way. But the devil wants to convince you, oh, you can't change who and what you are. You're born that way. God calls us to be obedient to Him. Not to make excuses for our bad behavior. Secondly, the truth of the gospel here is so important. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Sealed in him. God calls us to be sealed in him and to serve him honestly and carefully in all that we do. Dear people, the world is watching. They want to know that there's something true because very few things are true in this world. If somebody promises you something before you buy it, you better get it in writing and you better have your law you're standing by. They'll promise you anything. But know this, in God's Word, the promises He made are still true and will always be true. But first, you've got to know the truth before it can set you free. You'll never have victory over sin and Satan until you know what God's truth is. You have to study it. You have to learn it. You have to live it. It has to be a part of you. It will never fail you. But you must hide God's Word in your heart and understand who and what He is. You leave here in just a few moments as truth bearers. And what you represent to the world is so important. You may be the only light of hope that they see. Shine brightly and make a difference. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that you give to us the greatest of responsibilities. Yet in that responsibility, there is a reward that we're given. If we are found faithful, then there's a crown of righteousness for us. And Lord, I thank you that you don't tell us to go out and be successful. No, success is in your hands, not ours. We're called to be faithful. We're called to speak truth. We're we're called to live that truth. And we're called to reach out and call a people for your name. Yet the results are up to you, Lord. And we want to be faithful to you. And first and foremost, we want to be faithful towards truth. God, I ask that you would speak to someone here this morning. Is here within the sound of my voice, and in their life they want to be a bearer of truth. 
They want to be that bright and shining sentinel that will touch many lives, that will encourage them about what the possibilities of service for you really are, about what you call them to do. Lord, I pray that you would speak to someone this morning that's seeking a, uh, to make a decision to follow you. They have not ever accepted you as Savior publicly, and they've never confessed you before others. And you've told us, if you confess me before others, I'll confess you before the Father. And Lord, there's possibly somebody here that needs to come and be baptized. I pray that today your Holy Spirit would speak and that they would respond. Father, thank you for loving us. Continue to bless us. And may we be found faithful even in this time of invitation. For it's in your holy name we do pray. Amen.